Hi, my name is Michelle Fiordaliso, and I'm the co-host of The When Is Now. And I'm Zora Linger-Reed. Sheila Darcy is the founder of Sketch Poetic. After 20-plus years as a facilitator, coach, and consultant in the technology and digital agency space, she began to sketch daily to address her anxiety and process past trauma. What started as an emotional release soon became a catalyst for her own transformation. It also led to Sheila's greater purpose of elevating art as a tool for self-reflection, self-care, and healing. Her book on how to sketch through what you go through will be out in 2021. You can follow her on Instagram at sketchpoetic or visit her website, sheiladarcy.com. This is Sheila Darcy. She is uh, phoning in from Venice, California, and she is the founder of Sketch Poetic. Sheila, why don't you tell us about Sketch Poetic and well, tell us what it is first. Sketch Poetic. Well, about four years ago, I hit a threshold in my career and I say threshold, I I achieved where I wanted to go. I was managing director of an innovation agency, but something was happening in coinciding with that is my fear of flying. I had a major fear of turbulence and as part of my job, I had to travel and I was avoiding it at all costs. Like anytime I needed to go somewhere, I would try to find an excuse to not travel. And it was to a point where it was limiting my life. Uh, And add to that the stress of work and the responsibilities. And I felt an over arching sense of pressure and lacking of purpose in my life. And so I just finally decided to address it. And so the severe anxiety that I was experiencing, I finally decided to go see a therapist, which I had so much stigma around therapy. Um, My culture doesn't really talk about mental health. And it's not something that is even part of our language, right? Nobody really spoke about emotions. So I didn't know what to expect. And then when I went to see a therapist, she explained what anxiety was. And it really was about emotions I had been suppressing that was basically showing up in my body. And so she recommended that I find a practice or an avenue to release those emotions. So I tried yoga and I'm terrible at yoga. (laughs) I tried writing, which I love to write, but for some reason, I think because emotions are so complex, I had a hard time writing about it because I didn't know exactly what I was feeling most of the time. I just knew I was feeling something. And then I remembered when I was a kid, whenever I was going through a lot of trauma in my childhood, I remember just playing and sketching and painting and, you know, just doodling. And I thought, you know what, why don't I just sketch daily just to see if that works? So I didn't go into it with anything other than a curiosity. But what ended up happening is every day I was sketching poetic. And what that means to me is it wasn't art. It was taking the emotions I was feeling at that moment and releasing it on paper, almost like purging everything that was inside of me outside. 30 minutes of just releasing visually what I was feeling inside. And through the process of it, I started to observe a dialogue that was happening between what was being expressed on paper with all the thoughts that were permeating in my mind. And I think that's probably why the other avenues like yoga and meditation and writing didn't work for me because in those avenues, I felt like I was trying to not think about my thoughts. I was trying to push it away. And this was inviting me to listen to those thoughts. And there was this beautiful dialogue happening between the marks I was making on paper with what I was thinking. So that's sketch poetic. And that's, and I basically decided to um, start a movement. I'm calling it a movement because I really, once you tap into something so beautiful, so transformative, I just wanted to share it with the world. And that's truly how it all started. Wow. 
I guess I'm curious about this transition from business more or less. Right. So from that to this other more amorphous movement that you have control over and power over, how, Mm -hmm. how was that transition for you and how did you find yourself in that role in this new role as like leading this movement? Yeah, (laughs) Great question. You did say a couple of words that I want to touch on later, which is power and control, which is at the heart of why I did this. Uh, So I was in the consulting space for 20 years. And part of consulting is your ability to facilitate big brands, executive level conversations, and trying to move them to their ultimate purpose as a company. So it wasn't that very different, Zora, to be to be completely honest. What the only difference was instead of me facilitating other people, I ended up using those facilitation skills for myself. So in essence, I you know, when you start with facilitating a room, the very first thing you were ever at is to understand what what is the question we're all at and trying to answer, right? For me, there was only one question. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I today? Because 20 years ago, I was a different person. A year ago, I was a different person. So the question that I was always asking myself is, who am I? And how am I showing up in the world? And so I never abandoned the business world. I actually still have a day job and I am still using my skills of strategy and consulting The difference is I stopped focusing on the external um, manifestation, validation of all the things I was looking for, for all of those things that made me feel good about myself. And I just started to open that door that I had been pushing away for 20 plus years. Uh, And there's something about the corporate path that I feel feeds into a lot of people's insecurities, a lot of people's... um, lack of understanding of what makes them who they are, because a lot of it is very externally focused, right? A lot of, you know, targets, profit, you know, all these things that drive us to create the power, which is why I wanted to circle back to your comment about power and control. It's all false. You know, all that power and control is all externally measured, but the real, the real measure of power, the real measure is purpose. The real measure is uh, being aligned with who you are and make and and making sure how you are inside is showing up in the external world and not being able to compartmentalize everything in your life. I'm a mother. I'm an executive woman. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. Being holistic in that perspective really requires you to go inward. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And and I'm always going to answer it from that place because for so long I would always answer these types of questions with a very what I call surface answer. And this practice really not only allowed me to welcome those conversations in, but once you see, you can't unsee it. You know, once you go beyond the surface of who you are and speak the way other, other ways of going to that, you know, to that purpose of mission of what you, who you are and what you do. You said this thing that I loved, which is once you see something, you can't unsee it. So once you start showing up for yourself on the page in that way, and you start to get in touch with what you're really feeling, how did that change how you were interacting in the corporate world? Yeah, great question. Um, let's first address your uh, the first question, which is how did anxiety, how did it help? And to be completely honest, the anxiety will always continue to be there because all anxiety is, is a fear of, of the unknown. And there's so much <laughs> in the world today that is unknown. I think it would be it would be foolish of me to say I completely have healed that part. So it's the awareness of the anxiety that helps. So that's the first thing I would say, Michelle. It's just knowing that I have it, knowing that it is part of my life and part of how I cope with uncertainty. 
What has happened though, is because I'm aware it has diminished the effect it has on my, in my life. So before it would control my life, I would do everything I could to control. That's that word again, Zora control the, uh, anticipation of the anxiety. So that's why I didn't want to fly. And then when I was in the moment of anxiety, I did everything I could to hold on and grip like deathly grip. And that shows up not just physically, but emotionally. So I, I basically powered through everything and I did it with optimism and happiness and all of those things. But what I wasn't doing was acknowledging that that emotion was there to serve me. So how it helped me in the corporate space is the same way it helped me in life is when you can make peace with the fact that all emotions are there to serve you. I don't care what the emotion is, sadness, joy, uh, fears of abandonment, uh, feel, you know, being not being seen, all these complex emotions. If you can look at the emotion and understand that it's, it's a guidepost or a, a something that you should take a moment to reflect on, to contemplate, and then learn from, you end up, what you, what you end up doing is basically uh, seeing yourself in the ways that needed to be seen. And that's the part that I think um, was the most healing for me is in my life, I thought there was only one way to show up, which is this lightness, you know, light meaning joy, light being, being of service to people, light being gratitude. But what I found, I mean, this is the part that I think is so healing to hear, is there was a lot of darkness in my life, not just from the experiences I had, but even in the corporate space, right? There's a lot of experiences where you feel um, disempowered, you feel uh, small, and those aren't those aren't emotions that we tend to welcome and embrace in our day to day. But if we can see that and realize that this is all part of who we are, and we are going to struggle with those parts of ourselves and see them as, and that, that does that yin and yang symbol, right? If you can see yourself as both, then you do show up in the world very differently because you kind of cut through all the crap, to be honest. That's the reality. You cut through the crap. You cut through the surface of this interaction of like, let me get to know you, but really we're not really talking the truth of who you are. The moment you show up that way, it, it creates one thing and it's the word safety. If I'm talking to Zora for the first time, the way I'm showing up today, she sees that I'm showing up. So she's more likely, and you are more likely to open up to me because you feel there's a safe space in that, in that conversation because I'm showing up for me, not because of any other reason. So it's a mirror and it's a reflection of the, of the invitation to do it for yourself, which is what really Sketch Poetic is about. I, I really relate to um, this, this feeling of in the past being so associated with wanting to present oneself in a very specific way, yeah. in a positive way. And then sort of becoming more aware of that and, and trying to alter that. I guess I'm curious, any issues along the way? Was it difficult to make this? Tra- I mean, it probably was difficult to make this transition, but could you speak to any of the, the conflicts that might have arose um, along the way? So you're going to be surprised by this answer. It wasn't difficult, which, was, was, which is actually why it was difficult. <laughs> so let me explain. My entire life, I've worked my ass off. I've I have been such a hard worker and there's so much grit and everyone tells you that's the thing about the corporate space and the business world. You know, they're, they herald this idea of grit and work hard and everything has to be leveled up and it's gamified and like, it's so intense. And then I started to do this practice. So the first thing I did is I found a job that allowed me to do it. So I basically quit uh, that previous job, which was highly stressful and a lot of pressure. And I just realized 
it's not serving me anymore, that, that, that role. And so I found a job that I could still contribute value and impact, but I, it was much more balanced in terms of hours. My mind was always at work. And so I kind of created an environment where I was able to ease into the, into the daily sketching. But what was really shocking for me Zora, <laughs> was how easy it was. And that was the discomfort. It's like, it can't be this freaking easy. Like it's gotta be harder. Like transformation has to be this huge, like butterfly, you know, effect. And I was telling Michelle yesterday with her parents that nobody tells you that growth and transformation can be sitting there and doing nothing. <laughs> it just, it seems so counterintuitive, but sketching feels like so easy. And in the process of sketching, I'm transforming in ways that I don't think I had ever understood transformation could be. So the, the dirty little secret, and I say dirty because I think, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to vilify corporate space. I love corporate. I love the environment of it. Please understand that. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is the dirty little secret is transformation is sold to us as a way to continue pushing ourselves to where we actually forget who we are. And that's what happened to me. 20 years into my corporate career, I became everything I thought I ever wanted to be, right? I'm, you know, executive woman. I even got this really severe haircut. I fit, like talk about the imposter syndrome. I, I played the part and I played it well. But then I looked back and I went, who am I? And it wasn't even about the artist side, by the way. I had neglected my artist self. I, I majored in fine arts. I didn't do it for 20 years. That's the compelling part of the story is there was this part of me I didn't even see or, or, or even acknowledge. And creativity showed up in my work. Obviously, I was, you know, I was a creative thinker, but the actual art and craft of art didn't do it for 20 years. So that's the profound nature of it. It's just, it was easy. And nobody talks about the easy. Everyone talks about the hard. So it wasn't actually that hard. <laughs> it was just the commitment to doing it daily and, 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 and setting boundaries to honor it and revere it the way I have been revering it. So I make sure my daily sketching holds as much reverence as I would an executive pitch to a startup, because that's how much value it brings into my life. I just want to speak to that because I feel like what you said uh, about transformation happening in the stillness is something that I think, particularly in our culture, we forget. Uh, mm -hmm. I know I was a uh, 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 I tend to be a workaholic. I really value doing and productivity. And I've only been learning in recent years how much transformation actually does happen in the stillness and and how easy can be good. But we have, um, you know, we've really taken our focus away from that. So if it's not hard, we think we're not like no pain, no gain. Uh, my meditation teacher said, no pain, no pain, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which, um, uh, and I think that, um, so I just, I wanted you to, uh, speak a little bit more to, uh, this notion of revering this time to be still, because I don't think that many of us have been taught that. And so it's going to require, but, but I do agree with you that there's extreme value in the stillness mm -hmm. and that that is where the transformation happens. I mean, you just look at, look at a, um, a chrysalis and you see like, there's not much motion going on there, but there's so much going on inside. And so some, some kind of paradigm has to shift for all of us to grant ourselves the permission to have that kind of stillness so that we can transform. 
And since you have been working with people in workshops doing sketch poetic and, you know, granting yourself this permission and granting others this permission to embrace this stillness with reverence, um, I, I was wondering if you could speak to that in terms of how can we start to shift that? I, I think it's probably the most important question. Um, there's one word that brings it all up is fear. So for me, Michelle, the reason I couldn't be still is I had a very um, broken relationship with silence. So when you think of the word still, there's a lot of other words wrapped around that, right? So for me, stillness means silence. It means not moving all the time. It means being in your thoughts. It means listening. It means all these things. But then if you unpack it, and when I say go deeper, I just mean, yeah, we know all of those things, but why, why do you have a hard time with silence? Why do you have a hard time just sitting still? Why do you have a hard time listening? That's the key. That's the question. And, you know, Zora, you keep on, you always lead with the curiosity, which I love. That is at the core of what this practice is about. So to answer your question, part of the reason I was able to find that stillness is I had to confront my, my broken relationship with silence. So I didn't know this. And this is, this came out during my daily sketching. When I talked about my childhood trauma, I, I came in a, I, I grew up in a very volatile environment with an alcoholic father who, who happened to be very violent. And that was years and years of my upbringing. And that volatility and that uncertainty made me very hyper aware of everything around me. But what it did, and this is the part that was really, I would say, not only transformative, but it was a true awakening on my part. Because there was so much noise in my life, when it was still, it was really uncomfortable. And there was actually some really difficult moments when there was times when I was in my room and the violence was occurring and then suddenly it would stop. I actually didn't know if my mother was alive. Like that's the severity of the, the fear. But I didn't know that when I'm at, at this age that I was carrying that relationship with silence and death, like to, to understand that core. And I, I get chills talking about this one connection. I wouldn't have known that had I not taken the moment to reflect on my relationship with silence. So in the workshops shops I've done, Michelle, people have uh, uncomfortable relationships with silence of being still because oftentimes something happened in their lives where they have associated an emotion and experience, a memory with that stillness. And they want to avoid the heck out of that experience and remembering that memory. So it's not that they're avoiding silence <laughs> or stillness. They're avoiding the memories attached to it. That's the part that is transformative. And, and I'm going to go back to the word safe, right? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist, but I can tell you every person in the world wants to feel safe. Like, how would you not? But the thing that nobody really told me is that I have no control over the world. I can try to put myself in a room with padded <laughs> walls and pretend like the world is safe and it's not. And so the only way I could ever foster that safety that I had been desperately seeking all my life was to find it in within. And once I started to really center myself, so I associate the word stillness with safety. They're so intrinsically tied for me so that no matter what's happening in the world around me, if I can be still in my own self and feel grounded in that, it, there's there's a piece to it I cannot describe and sketching got me there. There was something in the sketching that allowed me to tap into the unconscious. So that's the unspoken part of, and we could probably touch on that a little bit more. There's a psychology and a science behind what I do. And it is about tapping into your unconscious. That's 
that's the part that whether or not we know it intrinsically and unconsciously affects our lives. How would you recommend starting, getting started? The number one question I get asked. Uh, and I, in fact, just, just before this podcast, I had somebody ask me about a workshop I'm about to host. And they said, you know, have you thought about posting your first sketches? Because it's really intimidating going into your feed. And I said, look, I get it. But even if I, even if I posted my very first sketches, which were shaky and uncertain, it still wouldn't tell the story because people think it's art. This is an art. It is art in terms of the definition that at the end of it, you create some beautiful, you know, a create a piece that is an expression that by definition is art, but the practice is not about art. So to get started is the first thing is to think about it as not art. Um, because if you can think of it as a release of emotion, right, then it, you start from a different place. So the very first thing you do, Zora, when I teach you how to sketch poetic, and I say teach as in I give you the, the guidelines and then you do it's all you from there is the first thing we do is actually a body scan because emotions, there's a book called, you know, the body keeps score or how the body keeps score. And it's really about if we aren't aware of how our body manifests our emotions, our thoughts, um, we're already missing of the journey. So just getting you back connected to your body is the first thing. So we do a body scan. Um, and so you just kind of pay attention. Like when I first started doing it, I noticed I held a lot of stress in my jaw my neck, my lower back. And so I just paid attention to it. And then the second step is to understand if you, if you know what emotions you're feeling. And most people that start don't even know what emotions they're feeling. Or if they do, it's the same emotions, anger, sadness, happiness, joy. But when they become more versed in the daily sketching, the language of emotions become rich, becomes richer. So I'm going to just use a uh, uh, sadness as an example. I feel sad, but that's a very big of a word. You could feel sad for many reasons, but it could be because of grief. It could be because of loss. It could be because of anxiety, the many different reasons. So the second thing is, can you identify the emotions? If you cannot, that's okay. And then the third thing is, instead of thinking of it as I'm creating a piece of art, the way I envision it, and I know this is a podcast, but I'll try to explain it. Imagine if your emotion was an energy in your body and you, it was flowing out of your down your arm, through your hands, into, onto the pen. And the best way for me to explain it in a visual way is think of dancers and musicians just jamming and improv, improvising, where there's no script, there's no music sheet. They're, they're just playing, right? So the word play is probably at the heart of it. So all I ask is do the body scan, understand what you're feeling. And if you don't, that's okay. And then just release it. Like basically, and, and, and the best hack I have ever given is imagine you're an anthropologist or sorry, archaeologist, not anthropologist, but an archaeologist. And your pen is that little tool digging in the, in the, in the ground. And you know, there's a fossil underneath there that you want to unearth, but you want to be delicate about it. So that's actually how I start people that are so stuck on the art part or that their fear of technical skill is I just say, just pretend like you're digging and, you know, like a hash, like you're going through it. And guess what happens? The more you do it, one, you get into flow, but two, you start to see something in it. It's just the way our mind works. It's kind of like looking at the clouds and daydreaming. So that's my hack. If for people, if you've never done it before, just pretend like your pen is a little tool digging through the dirt. And that, that will get you there as a starting point. But then eventually you will get more and more comfortable. And I, I do prompts as well. 
Zora just to help people kind of get into it. But once you're in it, you don't need prompts. I mean, Michelle is a great testament to that. I did a, a few prompts in, in my 21 day practice, but um, I know that in recent years, uh, there, there was this hugely popular movement of adult coloring books. And in fact, for years when I worked as a therapist with people and they said they couldn't meditate, I would encourage them to go to CVS and buy, you know, just a pack of crayons and a kid's coloring book. And I said, you know, this is a form of meditation. Um, and then they actually did studies and proved that coloring does produce the same effects as meditation. And so buoyed by that, um, that research, people started to put out all these really beautiful adult coloring books. And so I wanted to know um, what is similar or different from getting an adult coloring book and coloring a mandala, let's say, or a sketch of Paris and sketch poetic. Thank you. I have asking. some ideas, but I'd like you to share. No, thank, thanks for asking. It's, it's the key. It, it is answering this question is the key to why it's different. So the similarities are one of the things that coloring books does is it does get you in a visual, I call it visual meditation. It's beautiful. It gets you in flow. So there's been tons of books written about flow and the power of flow, right? Even if you can't tap into flow for five minutes, it's like getting an hour's worth of sleep. I mean, I don't, that's, don't quote me on that, but, <laughs> but the idea is meditation and flow is great. The difference between that practice and sketch poetic is, is very important. And the word is discomfort. Here's what happens when you're meditating. And remember I said I, I had a hard time with meditation. I basically went into sketch poetic saying, I have all these emotions I've been suppressing for all my life and I want to feel it. So here's the thing. If I meditated the heck out of it, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm just comfortable. I have basically allowed myself to feel comfortable with something that was making me uncomfortable. But the prob the challenge with that is you're not actually addressing the discomfort. So the answer to your question, Michelle, is that sketch poetic will get you into flow. It's kind of the first step, which is just to let go and just to get into flow. But then what I ask is get past the flow and get to the discomfort. So I'll give you a very tangible answer. When I remember speaking to one workshop person and we were doing a one-on-one -on -one reflection on their sketches. And I saw this thing on the corner of the page. I said, what was that? Because I'm curious about that. And she said, I was trying to draw a turtle, but then I thought, why am I drawing a turtle? It seems so silly. And I said, but why did you question it? Your unconscious was trying to tell you to draw a turtle. She said, because it didn't look good on paper. And she tried to gave me, gave me all these reasons. And I said, that's the difference between thinking about this as art versus as an emotional release and a potential transform transformative release, because your unconscious is trying to get something out. So don't question it. So the next time we met, this happened again. And she said, I saw a dress and I said, great. And you sketched it, right? She goes, yep. And she, she's not an artist, by the way. So it didn't even look like a dress, but it didn't, didn't matter. She just sketched it. And as she was sketching the dress, it reminded her of a memory of her mother who had passed 10 years ago. And in that, and I, I'm getting chills, but in that journey of remembering her mother, she started to cry and keep this in mind. When she first started sketching, she was feeling really good. Like her emotion that she was expressing was joy. But then in the process of getting into flow, which is like the coloring books and meditation, 
she saw an image in her head and she's like, oh, I see a dress. And Sheila reminded me, don't push it away. It's a visual cue. She started to sketch a dress and her sketch of a dress led her to a memory of her mother. And then she just sketched through it. And then she just started to remember her mother and started to cry and grieve through that. So what that was a perfect, and I love telling that story, but it's a perfect example where she went into it thinking it was just, I'm doodling. When the reality is underneath all of the stuff, she was still missing her mother, but it was 10 years ago. And society had told her that you should have moved on by now. Her husband was telling her, come on, get over it. And we talked about that. And so that's the beauty of the practice. And not every sketch is going to get you to those insights, but every now and then, even if one sketch out of a hundred gets you that insight, that's the transformation. That's the healing. So I guess I have one wrap up question. What do you think would be possible if everybody in the world or maybe just 80% of the people in the world were able to take up Sketch Poetic and work it into their lives? How would you envision that world? (laughs) I got chills. That's my dream. That's my dream. And, and I say, I'll just caveat when I say creative expressions is, or I call this creative expression because it's one tool, dancing, cooking, art, music, writing. It's all. So my hope is I'm part of a movement. When I say I, I want to be part of a movement, sketch poetic is one tool, but it's all part of a creative expression. So to answer your question, if everyone creatively expressed how they felt, one thing would happen we would stop looking at each other through the lens of the physical. We would start connecting in the invisible. And I'm not just talking about on the spiritual lens and the mystics, right? What happens is we're so triggered by what we see. We forget that it's the stuff that you don't see actually that is equally as important. So what will happen, and I've seen this already in the workshops when people do these groups and then they start to connect, they see beyond the gender, they see beyond the, the color of their skin. They see beyond the socioeconomic background of what house they live in. They see the pain. They see the story. They see the experience. And they connect with it because they're no longer alone. So it's not, it's not a coincidence, in my opinion, that COVID is happening right now because people are truly understanding what isolation means. And in and, 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 and the I'd say in the beginning of COVID, isolation meant being stuck in the house. But the more longer we are forced to be still in our home, we're realizing what true isolation really means. It's mental health, right? It's, it's the, un, un, it's the uh, invisible um, part. So the answer to your question, my hope, is that we get to a place in the world where we see everything as a reflection of our inner selves in that we all share it's a uni- we share a universal struggle suffering love we all share it i i i laugh because it's so it seems so simple yet it's so hard for us to get there because at the core of it means that we have to put ourselves out there so it's easier to not do it it's easier to just be yeah it's easier to just and it's not even ignorant that's not the word it's it's easier people think it's easier to not see the unseen, but once you start to see the unseen and you start to look at people through the lens of emotions and, and stories and experiences, it, it, it dissipates all the uh, triggers of violence and, and all, you know, all the things that show up when you get triggered. Right. Um, so yeah, that's my hope for the world is that we connect 
on the core of who we are, which is we're, we're make, made up of so much more than what we see, so much more. And it's so imp- important and so empowering when we can start to see each other in that way. So yeah, please, from your work, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, as they say. Thank you so much, Sheila, for being with us and for sharing about Sketch Poetic and your journey. Um, it's been so lovely to be with you. The When Is Now is co-hosted by Michelle Fiordaliso and Zora Alunga-Reed. It's produced in Los Angeles, California by Jack Zager. The next free 21-day coaching program begins on Monday, October 5th. Use it to find your purpose in our changing world by signing up on thewhenisnow.com. You'll also find complete show notes there. Thank you for listening. And remember, the when is now.